0: We go down the marriage route or do we go down the mate route? And so we're going mate, I know, right? We have more singles here than we do married couples. So, right, okay, yep, see what I'm telling you. Yes. We love married people, we encourage marriage, we encourage children, all of those sorts of things. So today we're gonna to talk, so I actually, last night I told Shira, I said, I have two messages, and she, I was like, I'm not sure which way I'm gonna go, and, and I told her, I'm gonna do finding your mate. Ooh. Ah, right. So buckle up. Am I going to get married? And who is it going to be? That's the question. Odds are, if you want to get married, the odds are absolutely in your favor. They are the odds of you getting married are in your favor. It's not an issue. If you want to get married, it's an issue of finding the right person and making yourself marriable. So how do we apply a teaching like this? We apply it three ways, okay? If you're married, these are character qualities that you can integrate into your family, into your marriage. If you're not married, these are character qualities that you're looking for in the mate that you're trying to find. And if you're not married, these are qualities that you have to instill into yourself, right? We're so worried about the other person, we don't worry about ourselves right well i 'm looking for this well what what are you looking for i 'll tell you funny stories. I tell this story all the time and i 've told it for years because it 's one of the funniest stories i 've ever seen. My wife, so of you don 't know, um, she used to be a fashion model, and so she you know a bunch of stuff whatever and so at the time years ago, all of her friends and a lot of friends that we knew were 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 uh, were models right and so one of the guys that we knew wanted to get with this um this girl that Sherry knew and he's like, uh, Hey Sherry. So why don't you introduce me to so-and-so and and, uh, you know, what's it going to take for me to get to get with so-and-so and And this guy used to dress in track suits. Okay. So he would have, I'm serious. Like and Sherry said, well, the first thing you got to do this whole New Jersey John Gotti look has got to (laughs) go. Like if if you want her, you have to work on this, right? So like a lot of times we're looking for something or we're looking for someone and we haven't really even looked in the mirror, you know, are you the person that reflects the desire that you have? Are you? Because you're worried about the other person and you haven't even looked at yourself. So this is another way of applying this message is by looking at it, not only of what you're looking for in another person, but looking at it in yourselves. Proverbs twelve twenty six says this, the righteous chooses their friends carefully, but the way of God, of the godless leads them astray. That's an important thing to know. Choose, everybody say what we choose wisely. Right? You have chosen wisely. You must choose wisely because the way of the godless leads them astray. Nothing destroys lives more than a bad marriage. Ah, yes. No shortage of witnesses on that nothing. It is better to be single than it is to go through a marriage that is absolutely devastating and full of nothing but hell, right? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm getting it from both sides of the room. This is good. Marriage is honorable, but mar- and marriage is Jesus's idea, but marriage is not for everyone, right? You have to make yourself marriable. You have to build within yourself and deal with your issues and build within yourselves the character sets and the tool sets that are going to lead you into the, into a good marriage. It's absolutely essential. There's an advantage in singleness. So those of you that are single, you're not being forsaken by the Lord. You have a great advantage. You can be single-focused. One of the things that the Bible teaches is that when you are married... Your concerns are towards your wife. Your concerns are towards your children. You, you have all of these other family concerns that oftentimes prove a distraction. So this tells us a couple of things. That Number one, you have a liberty as a single to prepare yourself. You have a liberty as a single to serve Jesus more. So the expectation upon all Christians is that we actually serve Jesus. Right? Lifestyle Christianity. The gospel isn't an accessory. It is what and who we are. Right? This needs to be understood. A lot of times we think that Jesus exists to serve us. Well, we exist to serve him, and in serving him, he serves us. There's there's a process that works here, there's a a unity and, and a harmony that goes on. We're all looking, say this with me. Jesus does not match people, he matches hearts. Say it again. Jesus does not match people, he matches hearts say this there is no unicorn right we're all on the quest for the great unicorn the mighty and holy single one that God has for me the one God has many for you many he doesn't have one he has many many it's an issue of heart alignment Christian You know, and most of the time people's problems are because we are culturally minded and not kingdom minded. Christians think no different than the world. We think that if I have emotions, feelings, and there's some sexiness going on, then it must be the right thing to do. That is completely not what the kingdom teaches. That is completely not what the Bible teaches. It's that the Bible actually talks less about emotion and less about sexiness and more about character. Most people, when they try to date, they seek, they seek romance over friendship. That is a massive mistake. When I got married, when I got engaged to my wife, we were friends for a long time, but when it got, and I didn't even see it coming, it just kind of happened. And when it happened, first thing, my pastor looks at me and he says this, he says, I want you to know something, Kevin, he goes, you're going to be out of bed more than you're in it. He goes, I just want you to think about that. (laughs) Yes, baby. Yes. Well, okay. That consumes a very short period of your life concerning what the relationship actually looks like. So if there's no character and if it's, it's gotta be a little bit more than emotion and it's gotta be a little bit more than sexiness. If the relationship is ever going to be founded or endure, but the world teaches you just the opposite. And that's why the divorce rate is off the chart because it's all based on emotion. It's all based on feeling and it's all based on sexiness. And it falls because there's no character foundation underneath it. Yes. So, praying for your mate, let's start it off this way, right? So, we were just having this conversation yesterday. People going, I'm single. When are you going? I was like, okay. And they're they're like, what do I do? And, like, what I can tell you, I can tell you by living experience. This is not philosophy, this is truth. Okay? Say this if I I want a mate, I must pray. According to the scriptures. That's right. What does that mean? Find a story in the Bible, which means you've got to be biblically literate on some level. Find a story in the Bible where God brought people together or where romance actually happened and pray down that line. Right. Okay. I'll give you a few. Adam and Eve. Lord, I I just want to, I want you to bring my wife to me. God brought Eve to Adam. You might pray that way. You might go, Lord, I want you to find that woman and I want you to bring her to me. And when you bring her to me, I want you to open my eyes so that I can see that she's the one that you brought to me or she's the one. She's someone that you're bringing to me, not the one, but she's someone that you're bringing to me. If you're a woman, you might pray, Lord, I want you by your grace to lead me to the person that you have for me. See what you're doing. You're praying in alignment with how God works. We pray. Oh, Lord, give me Billy biceps and Susie swivel hips. That's what I want. Unce, 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 unce. Make him look sexy so our Instagram looks good. So that when we go on the honeymoon we can make everybody jealous. That's how we are. We're shallow. We're vain. And we wonder why it doesn't work, because it, it doesn't work because it's not attached to God's way. His way is completely different than ours. My ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts. Your thoughts As the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways above your ways. He's a little smarter than you and I. He created marriage. He is for marriage. He likes marriage. It's not man's idea. It's his. Okay. You might say Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac was meditating in the field. He was praying. He was seeking the Lord and up over the hill came Rebecca brought to him. This is actually how I asked for my wife. How do I know this works? Because it works like this. I'm telling you it works. I never prayed, Lord, I want super sexy. I want, you know, my trophy. I I never prayed that way. That was never the way I prayed. Because I, I wanted something that was more than what I was capable of generating. If you want something that you can generate, go right ahead. Because if it's authored by you, it will fail by you. You want God is matching hearts. Matching hearts. And there's many hearts that he will match with you that will align with yours if you're willing. But pray accordingly. Isaac and Rebecca, right? Rebecca was saying, I was drawing water, Lord. I was 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 drawing water and you brought your spirit and brought me to a place. And when I came to this place, I want you to bring me to a place and I want you to show me and, and bring me into this encounter. However you do it, but find these stories and pray them. You might have Jacob and Rachel. I want somebody who's going to honor me and is going to be willing to work for me. Some of you want to be courted. Most women do. I want a man who's willing to work for me, who's willing to do whatever it takes to earn the love and affection that I have to offer. You might pray that way. You might be a man that says, I want a woman who's worthy of my efforts, who isn't spreading the love all over town, right? I want a woman that has virtue and honor that I can see and that will give me an opportunity to win her. I know a guy exactly like that. He was in love with this woman, and this woman wanted nothing to do with him at all. Not my type, not my this, not my that. This dude over a period of years just continually showered her with affection. Like kindness was mainly the thing. It wasn't like, oh, baby, you're so beautiful. Come on, girl. Let's go to the Cheesecake Factory. You and me. We have to stop this stuff, man. We have to stop acting like that. And we have to stop, start being what we are, right? He was kind to her. He remembered her birthday. He would, you know, he would just do nice things for her. And in the process of time, he, through his laboring efforts, he won her over. And they had a beautiful relationship, beautiful marriage, everything. I give you two other couples. These two people that were the most dowdiest people in the world. Like he dressed like he was farmer in the Dell, right? And she looked like she like got off a wagon train herself. You know, she looked like she's, you know, old time country, the whole kind of thing. They got together. And when the, when the marriage happened, they would walk into church and it looked like they were coming out of a banana Republic ad. I'd be like, Whoa, where did these two people come from? God takes two people in raw form and catalyzes them together. He takes the two become one, right? So a lot of times you're looking for the complete version. I want him to be complete. I want that man making six figures, driving a Mozzie. I want that girl to look fine. I want her to spend 12 hours in the gym. And you're wanting somebody that's complete and they're not complete. You're not complete. He takes two and they become one. First thing my wife did when I got married, I came home one day after work and she would thrown out all my clothes, all gone, not wearing that anymore. And I was like, but I like that wolf T-shirt, Sherry. (laughs) People ask me, do you actually have a wolf T-shirt? No, I just use it as a joke. So she got rid of everything. Why? Did she ask me? No. But she's like, look, I don't want, you're with me. I want us to reflect. If there's something you don't like me, I want us to reflect a couple together. And I want you to dress more modern. I want you to dress this way. And it wasn't like I dressed like a, you know, like a clown or something. I mean, I actually won her with what I was wearing. (laughs) So I had to be doing something right here, you know, (laughs) find a story. Esther's another one. Esther's another one. Lord, I want, you to give, put me, I want you to bring me to a mate who is tied to my destiny. There's a prayer for Esther. Yeah. Esther's mate was tied to her destiny. I don't want ordinary, Lord. I want you to bring me to a person that is tied directly to my destiny, and I'm tied to his. Start praying that. I'm so serious. You'll, heaven will, you'll, you'll feel like a hover ship's moving. Heaven is aligning over you. Ruth is another one. Ruth had nothing. Ruth went into she, and Ruth. Ruth took the advice of an older, wise. Um, uh, yes, exactly. Help me out here. I'm completely. I'm mixing. I got all these stories racing through my head. She took the advice of, a, of, a, of an older woman. She listened to the older woman and she said, "Honey, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to you're going to. Do you know what Ruth did when she before she met Boaz? You know, it's interesting." You know what it says? She took a bath. You know, I know like, like women aren't clean, but it's, what, it, what it's telling us is like she prepared herself. You know, she fixed her hair. She perfumed herself. She, you know, she was showing a little real estate. You know what I'm saying? Not too much, but just enough. Yeah, you know? And you know what she did? She got his attention. He was like, whoa, who's that? But you know what? She put herself in the sight line of a devout man. She knew Boaz was devout. And she said, this man is devout. This man loves the Lord. This is an honorable man. He's no floozy. He's not some dude hanging out in the bar dating women. I look at his Facebook page, and he's with another woman every other week. He's not that kind of guy. This is an honorable man. And so she knew her to be honorable. And, her, and the wise woman around her said, stand in the line of sight of this honorable man. Present yourself like this and put yourself in the position of his eyesight. I didn't ask my wife out the first time she asked me out. It wasn't a date. We just went to this family gathering, which I highly encourage most of us. This is how we date. We go to dinners and you put way too much pressure off the rip way too much, way too much. Go to coffee, go to lunch, go to a family gathering, hang out. Can you be a friend? Do we have to sexualize every relationship we encounter? That's our problem. We immediately sexualize the relationship. And that is completely wrong. Completely. And we wonder why it just goes all weird and wacky. And you get in too deep, too far, too fast. Well, that's why. (laughs) Ruth, Lord, show me the honorable man. Holy Spirit, put women around me who are wiser than me who will teach me how to position myself into that man's eyesight. Lord, let me be working in the field and put that woman in my eyesight. I'm an honorable man. I want to serve you, but put the virtuous woman in my eyesight. I'm riding around on a horse. That's what Boaz was doing. If you wonder what I'm doing, Boaz was just riding in the field on a horse. (laughs) And he looked over and he's like, who's that? (laughs) All these girls are out there gleaning in my field. I've never seen one like that. Who is she? (laughs) That's what he said. He inquired of the servants as to who that girl is. And she came for that very reason. She put herself in that position. Aquila and Priscilla, apostolic team in the New Testament. Married couple, serving Jesus, planting churches, fulfilling ministry. You may pray that. I want a marriage like that, Lord. I want to be a Priscilla. I want to be, I want you to bring me an Aquila. Means eagle. I want you to bring me a leader. Bring me an eagle, Lord. And I want to be the Priscilla in that equation. And I want our marriage to be about one thing, serving you and fulfilling your purposes. Start praying that. You don't think heaven wants that? Find the story. Song of Solomon. I want a man who will woo me. I want a man who will wait for me. I want a woman who is fairer than all the daughters around. So that's what Solomon said. She is virtuous She is fairer than all the daughters. You see what's attracting here is not the sexuality. It's the virtue. It's the honor. We lead with sex. That's the last thing we're to lead with. But we lead with that. And that's why it gets so wrong. That's why God stands against it. Not because he's against sex. But because sex is damaging. Come on. Most of you, your heart was hit and thrown into a blender. And somebody hit frappe because you went sexual way too soon. You weren't married and you weren't, there was no commitment. That's what, if you understand what sex is, sex is plutonium. That's what it is. It's incredibly powerful on every level. And it's to be encased just like a power plant. If you put plutonium in this room, it'll kill us all. But if we put it into fuel rods and put it into a nuclear reactor, we can power a city with it. That's what sex is. It's to be within the reactor of marriage. And it's to fuel the marriage. It's to fuel the relationship. It's to bond the intimacy between the man and the woman. It's to generate the intimacy. It's to force the intimacy. That's what it's for. It's not a toy. It's absolutely. The bed is on, marriage is honorable among all and the bed's undefiled. Read the Song of Solomon. You don't think Jesus likes sex? He's in the bedroom with those people. Eat and drink, lovers, till you're full. There's a third voice that when the, they, don't, they don't get together she's like, awake, come to me, come to me. And he says, not yet. Okay. I'm going to lay a heavy on you dudes out there in the Bible. The guy who, the one who says, no, do you know who it is? The man, the man in the scripture is responsible to say no. Well, she said, yes. So I just did it. Are you a dog? So seriously, are you a baboon? That, that just cannot control himself with the whiff of a scent. Are you serious? You're you're a little higher than that. The Jews used to wear a belt. Do you know why they wore a belt? It was a reminder to separate their higher faculties from their lower ones, and it was a reminder to them they were to belt themselves. It's in the scripture. They were to belt themselves, and the idea of belting themselves was to understand that they were to be ruled by their upper their upper chambers, their heart, their spirit. Their intellect, not the lower chamber, right? That has no brain at all. (laughs) The wind's blowing. Here I go. It's true. Mary and Joseph. That's when Song of Solomon, you see that. She I was just telling this woman this yesterday. I said in the song of Solomon, he comes to her door in the night and she doesn't want to come to him at the night because she's in her gown and her hair's down. And she says, I don't want you to see me this way. Let me fix myself properly because the time for you to see me like that isn't now. So she's demonstrating virtue to her. She's like, I want to see you, but it's night. I'm in my gown and my hair's down. Let me, give me a little bit of time. God knows, two hours. He's going to be like, oh my gosh. Was he gonna? She's, give me time to put proper clothes on and I'll meet you. And the Bible says that he took myrrh and he spread it on the door and he left. And she walked out and she smelled that myrrh, which it means I love you. Myrrh is a, myrrh is a symbol of death. I'll die for you. I'll wait as long as I can. I feel like I'm dying right now, girl. Oh, I'm dying, but I'll die for you. And he put myrrh on the door and he left. And she took the scent of his myrrh. She said, this is a man who will give himself for me. And she followed him through the cities and she looked for him. You see the connections here? You don't see that like the overarching sense of romance that we all want, the overarching sense of virtue that we all want. This is the culture of the kingdom. This is not the culture of the world. If you follow the ways of the world, if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap corruption. It's going to be nothing but corrupt. And you corrupt your relationship when you lead it that way. You need to back it up. To think that Christians aren't having sex with one another is naive. I just told them yesterday. I said, but we as a church cannot proclaim that standard is true. We have to proclaim God's standard. God's standard is, is sex is within the context of marriage. Cohabitation is a sin. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. I'm not going to stutter and I'm not going to blink. It's called fornication. And it's sinful. It is. Does it condemn you? No, but it corrupts you. Let's just say it together. It'll do you some good. Say it with me. You're going to like the word. You're going to get used to it. Say it with me. Fornication <laughs> does not condemn me. But it will corrupt me. Yes, it will. And it will corrupt your relationship. Yeah. The woman is wired to say yes, guys. So if you don't know that, the woman is wired to say yes. She's wired. That's why the man has to be the one with restraint. He's the one that's supposed to go, nope, I'm not doing this. We're getting married. This is the way it is. And guys, we're we're such morons. And we look at the way that it, no, it's true. I am one. And we look at the way, we look at the way the culture rings and we go, well, she said, yes, she wanted me. Ha, ha, ha. Do you know why she's wired to say yes? When you speak kindly to her and you speak wonderfully to her and a woman, when a woman, come on ladies, whenever I talk about you in the right way, you, you have to help me help you. So help me help you. When you speak kindly to a woman and a woman feels the trust and the warmth of love, she opens herself. She's designed to do that. That's why men defraud women with words all the time. And wicked men know this to be true. And wicked men play this as a game because they know that women can be defrauded with words. They know it. She loses all sense of reason because she's compelled by love. A woman will give everything she has for love. She'll hold nothing back. Women will burn the house down for love. (laughs) Yeah, Anybody with teenage girls? Huh? You ever have a teenage girl? When that girl finds a boyfriend, it's as if her daddy didn't exist. Uh Uh-huh. When that girl finds a boyfriend, it's as if her mama didn't exist. Because she, in her heart, in her mind, even though it's not real, thinks she's found love. Now, is she being wicked? No. She's being driven by the nature that she possesses. It's true. She naturally comes around. How do you know this? Because I have experienced this. <laughs> and I prayed. And the Lord says she's acting according to her nature. She's acting wrongly, but that nature to give herself to to what she perceives is love. The love that she's perceiving is not true, but nonetheless, her perception of it is that it's love. So she's giving herself to it. That's wired into her nature. You can't get rid of that because it's innate in your design. What you can do is counsel it. What you can do is correct it. What you can do is say, look, this desire is true, but they won't hear you, but you can tell them and you can try to tell them cause I've tried to tell them. But um, <laughs> no, my daughter's happily married now. Thank you, Jesus. But I got a lot of gray hairs. I'm like Gandalf. Like I went through hell. <laughs> why, is your, why is your hair white, Tom? Cause I raised kids. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 29. But She's wired that way. So men, you're supposed to demonstrate maturity and you're supposed to say no second Corinthians There's a lot of options that you have you have an option to choose But this one isn't an option doesn't guarantee anything, but it certainly increases the success do not be bound together with unbelievers (gasps) I'm gonna say it again. This is an emphatic imperative, which means it's a command. He's not asking you He's telling you do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ representing truth? Belial is the spirit of lies. What what covenant does Jesus, truth, have with those who are bound by lies? Or what is the believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement can the temple of God have with idols? I'll give you one that's a little more of our modern time. That's pretty blunt. In case you don't get that, that's a little too high for you. Let me tell you this. In the Old Testament, there was a command, you shall not, say it with me, you shall not yoke an oxen with an ass. That's right. God commanded them, do not yoke the oxen with the ass. The oxen represents the servant who will do what its master says. The ass is the one that rules by himself or herself. And God says, if you yoke the oxen with the ass, they're going to pull in different directions and you'll never plow straight. If they're not a believer, you're going to have a problem, male or female missionary dating. Well, I'm going to sing the altar him. I'm going to get him to the altar and then I'm going to alter him. No, you're not. No, you're not. I can tell you horror stories. Women think they're going to change the man. They don't change. I tell women all the time. What you see is what you get hundred percent. Oh, he'll change because he loves me. No, he will not. If he's not a Christian, he has no accountability. The only person he loves is himself. And if he doesn't love himself, then come under the submission and rulership of Jesus and exalt one that's higher than you. Oh, no, I can't do that. You love yourself. Women are the same way. Doesn't guarantee success because there's a lot of carnal Christians. Well, I'm married because they're a Christian. Well, have they, did they demonstrate Christianity to you? Do you know how many times I go, oh, look, pastor, I want to introduce you to this person. This is somebody I met. You're Christian. Oh, yeah. Where do you go to church? And she'll tell me like, oh, well, I haven't been to church in four years. Oh, oh, oh OK. <laughs> there, there's no demonstration of faith. There has to be a demonstration of faith, Christian. They, they have to demonstrate it, especially guys. Guys are the worst. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm all about ministry. I'd like to ministry to you right now. Laying on a hands. I like to practice some of that. I want to lay some hands. Uh, guys are the worst. They'll tell you that you're a Christian, never been to church, never read a Bible, ask them for a verse. They don't know it. Ask them what it means to be born again. They don't know it. How can you say you're a believer if you don't understand what it means to be born again? How can you say you're a believer when you don't understand who Jesus is and who you are in light of him? You're not a believer. You're a pretender. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're not true. That's a non-negotiable Christian. Being, marrying a Christian doesn't guarantee success because there's a lot of carnal Christians. But what it does is it puts the person in accountability. When someone comes to me and says, listen to me, pastor, we're having issues in our marriage, you know, I can say to the male or the female, well, is your spouse a believer? And if they say yes, then I'll say, okay, let's meet together. And then I'll meet with them. And then I will charge them by Jesus Christ to come under submission. Not to their wife, but to the authority of Jesus. Husbands, love your wife. That's not an option. Wives, honor and respect your husband. That's not an option. So where love and respect are absent, we can bring that person into alignment, not because their husband deserves it, not because their wife deserves it, but because Jesus deserves it. The accountability of the gospel is laid upon the believer. If they're not a believer, they're accountable to no one. What am I going to tell them? Love your wife as Christ loved the church? So what? I'm not doing that. What am I going to tell her? Honor him. Respect him. Stop ridiculing him. Stop tearing him down. I'm not doing that. What, 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 what authority do I have? He doesn't deserve it. And it's like, it's not an issue of him. If you're a believer, it's not about your spouse, Christian. It's about Jesus. It's a three-legged, it's a three-legged stool, right? Jesus is at the center of the marriage. I love my wife as Christ loves me and loves his people. (laughs) You don't deserve it. In case you didn't know that. (laughs) And neither do I. Yet he loves you in spite of yourself. Honor your husband. In spite of yourself, as unto the Lord. Why? Because he doesn't deserve it. That guy might be a complete and total fool, but you're to honor him in the position that he holds. As a husband. Not because of him, but because of the Lord. That's why the gospel is essential in marriage. Because what, one of the things, listen, inevitable pain will come. There will be trials. Such will have trouble in this life. All who seek to get married, marriage is honorable, and all who get married, such will have trouble in this life. That needs to be put above, that should be put above the, the, the wedding table, right? Because we, we're, we think that there's never going to be a problem. Say this with me. Marriage, this is going to help you. Say it with me. Marriage doesn't fix character. Marriage reveals it. If you think marriage is going to fix anything, you're completely wrong. What marriage does is it exposes it. People go, Oh, the marriage isn't working, Pastor. We've been married six months, and we're just all this crazy stuff's coming out in our relationship. And I'm like, So the marriage is that the marriage is totally working. I'm like, Wow, that's really great. I'm like, Wow, what good news. That's really good. This is exciting. You're like, Really? It's good news? Because the marriage is doing exactly what it's supposed to do exposing you. That's what marriage does. Marriage exposes you. Marriage, it's two becoming one. Marriage shows you how selfish you really are. Marriage shows you how uh, unable to control yourself, the lack of self-control that you have. Marriage reveals a temper that you've been hiding for the last six months. Marriage reveals the depth of fear that binds you. He never saw that with you before, but now all of a sudden at the first sight of danger, you're bound up into a wad running around the house in a tizzy because you're so afraid of things. Marriage reveals the fear. Marriage reveals the pride. Marriage reveals the selfishness. Marriage reveals the humility or the pride or the lack thereof. It reveals everything. That's what it does. But if you read what the culture says, this is what the kingdom says. God isn't freaked out because the marriage is dysfunctional off the rip. He doesn't care about that. That, that's because what it does is it shows you the anger. So, okay So now what god is showing us here is where the root of the that there's a problem So now we need to address the problem. Let's address where the angers coming from where well, the angers coming from her dude It's not coming from her She's a secondary reaction to something long before that Well, you know, uh, where's the bitterness coming? Well, the bitterness is coming from him He just doesn't do what I want him to do and I just get all bitter. Well, honey The bitterness isn't coming from him The resentment is not coming from him. The resentment is coming from something long ago and it's manifesting towards him. But he is not the source of your bitterness. You understand what's going on here? And that's why we try to fix each other. And we're trying to fix the person in front of you. But the person in front of you isn't really the problem. They're doing a behavior, and their behavior is triggering something in you, and it's causing this reaction. She's doing a behavior, and it's triggering something in you. It's making you feel disrespected. It's throwing you back to when you were a little boy on the playground. It's throwing you back to when you were forgotten. She's treating you like a child and making you feel mommied, like your mom mommied you. And so you're getting this all weird feeling, and then you're erupting on her. But she has nothing to do with that. She didn't cause that. That's with you long before. Oh, getting quiet. <laughs> Cause it's true. Cause it's true. When I was single, I thought I had it all figured out until I got married. Then I realized how quickly I didn't have it. I've been married 30 years. I am absolutely 100% qualified to speak on this subject. Okay. I am not an observer of marriage. I am an absolute prakt- practitioner. When I'm telling you, I do. I'm telling you what works. I'm telling you how it works. It's true. Faith in Christ doesn't guarantee success, but increases the odds. 51% of all marriages outside of Jesus will end a divorce within 10 years. What? That's right. Write it down. But 27% of all marriages among Christians end within 10 years. Your odds are, your odds are increased. You're doubled. Your odds of success are doubled. You have a 70, 73% chance of succeeding in a marriage if you marry a believer, but not just a believer. What constitutes this regular church attendance? Do you know why? Because say it with me. Sunday is the day I get my head put on straight. That's right. Sunday is the day when all the noise stops and you are told who you are and you are called unto your father. Your identity is spoken over you. The summons of your life is called all to you and you are called beyond yourself. That's what Sunday does. Nobody in the world is going to tell you to love your wife. Your boss isn't telling you to love your wife. The guys at the water cooler, man, I wouldn't put up with that. I'd get that girl. I'd I'd be done with that B. I mean, this is how we talk. This is exactly, oh, that guy, he doesn't respect you. He does all that to you. Girl, I would be gone long ago. Look at Jim over there. He's sexy. Go talk to him. You don't need that man. Here's another man over here for you. This is how we talk. And our lives are ravaged because of it and the field is wasted because of it, because we follow worldly culture, worldly counsel, not kingdom culture. When you come to church on Sunday, one of the functions of the church is to help you get your head on straight, to call you to a level of thinking that you don't naturally possess, to call you into the mind of Christ. That's what church is supposed to do. Get you beyond yourself, not placate your narcissism. You're okay. It's all good. You're a champion for Jesus. It's all gonna be fun. Here's a pinwheel cotton candy. Did you see the fish tank on the way out? Oh, we'll get you a vibrating recliner next week. That is never the gospel. That is not the gospel, Christian. The gospel is meant to transform us. Jesus is a, say it with me, Jesus Jesus is a rock of offense. That's right. That's right. He is the rock of offense. If you fall upon the rock, you'll be broken. But if that rock falls on you, you'll be crushed to powder. In other words, God is saying, listen to what I'm telling you and fall upon the offense that I'm giving you. I'm offending you because I'm telling you, you have to love your wife as Christ loves the church. That offends a lot of you because you think she's not worthy of love. You don't know the disrespect. I don't, I don't know, but trust me, I've been disrespected. Trust me, I'm married to a woman that's not deserving of my love 24-7, right? She's not. She's not here, but she... she we are going to record. We are not going to post for service. No, I'm just kidding. And she's not here. It's, it's true. But if, but if she was here, she would, be, she would agree. And she would say that I'm a man that is not deserving of her respect 24-7. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I am a broken individual just as she is. But the one who is deserving of my love is Jesus. And he says, I want you to give my love to her. The one who is deserving of her respect is Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you to give my honor to him. They don't deserve it. I know, but I want you to do it anyway. I don't feel like it. I want you to do it anyway. It's called obedience. We're supposed to be obedient, right? Say it with me. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Say this with me. Obedience is greater than the fat of rams. That's right. That was the highest offering. You would offer a kingly offering and you'd offer the Lord the fat of the ram. God says, I want obedience more than that offering that you think is honoring me. Whatever you think is honoring me is incomparable to the obedience that you offer me. Obedience is the foundation of all discipleship. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? (gasps) Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you to do? Just a question. We need to take that to heart. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But you want to know that's why that's why when you when you don't fall upon the rock and let that humility come out of you And obedience then the consequences of a decision that are apart from him Jesus isn't judging you, but when you choose a consequence apart from him all sin is judged Sin is to know what to do is right and not do it So I know to obey jesus on this is right and if I do and I humble myself I will eat the rewards and the fruit of that if I don't and I obey then i'm going to sin and in sin sin is judgment Jesus isn't judging you. He's judged sin. The judgment is not upon the people. The judgment is upon the sin. So when Christians suffer consequences, it's not God's judgment. Their experience is the consequences of the sin. God doesn't like me. God's judging me. God is not judging you at all. You're in sin, and that sin is under judgment. Repent and get out from that sin, and that judgment will leave you. You're operating in a system and in a method and a style that is outside of the relationship. I can't understand it. I don't understand how it works. Every girlfriend I have, it just erodes and it turns into this psycho fest. Are you having sex with her before marriage? Yes. But what does that matter? Well, that matters a lot. You're completely discombobulating the relationship before it even has a foundation. The foundation, say it with me. The foundation is spirit, soul, and then body. And say it with me in that order. Say it with me. It's dating, Or let's say this courtship, marriage and sex. And everybody say with me in that order, that's how God's designed it. I'm not saying, look, I'm not naive. I know. I know we don't, I know we don't do it, but I just want you to be aware that that's why things are so dysfunctional is because we're not doing it the way he told us to do it. Just a fact spiritually. There has to be an alignment. Secondly is emotional. There has to be a spiritual alignment an identity with your life purpose the question is, Christian, will this person amplify your faith or will they lead you from it? Oh. If they're not, if they're a Christian, then demonstrate it. Don't, don't, you know, if you, if you're, the Bible says this, I'll give you the verse. Well, it's further on, but, it, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it. It says there are men who are, and it calls them wicked, who sneak into the window of gullible and immature houses, and they defraud the woman with words, leading her into sexual and selfish indulgences. So in other words, there are men, ladies, Christian ladies, that say they're believers, but what the Bible says is they're actually coming through the window of your house, they're speaking words to you to get something from you. And the Bible says that that act is wickedness, sin, And then it says that the woman who allows it, I know this is going to hurt. Say it. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be good afterwards, right? Okay. The it says, when you allow that to happen, you are immature and gullible. So if you're allowing a man to have sex with you without any commitment, I didn't write the book so you can punch me out later. The Bible says you are immature and you are gullible and you're opening yourself up to be defrauded. The Bible says men if that is the character and the nature that you have you should be fair warned that that is not correct I know a lot of guys that defraud a lot of women And I never have a kind word to say to them if they do that Are you pretending to be a believer so you can get in that girl's pants? Is that what you're trying to do here? Are you pretending to be a believer so that you can have the nurturing and the aspects and all the benefits of the relationship Of a relationship without commitment You want all the bennies of the relationship, but you don't want the commitment you're not a believer or you're not acting like a, well, I am a Christian. Then, then come under obedience, come under obedience. I'm just telling you, listen, you want to find a church that tells you something different. There's plenty of them out there in our modern culture. The younger pastors have no moral standard whatsoever, none at all. And the people of these congregations think it's okay to have sex. Okay. Look, you're going to have sex. I get it. People are going to have sex, but you're going to reap the benefit of that. You have a clear choice. You have a clear choice. I'm just t- my job is to tell you what the Lord says. And if somebody tells you different and they're standing in a pulpit, they are not representing Jesus correctly. If somebody tells you different, if I are an angel of light preach another gospel other than the one you old, I'm telling it to you straight from the book. Faith is not an accessory to marriage. Marriage is the accessory of faith. A, bar- a bad marriage is far worse than than singleness. So we have to have spiritual compatibility. I think I made my point, I hope. <laughs> Soul compatibility. Mind, ready? Do you guys do you guys commune on the same intellectual level? Right? Do you have a PhD and this dude dropped out in eighth grade? You know? It's not gonna work. You're not intellectually compatible. And what it means is it doesn't mean you have the same college background or high school background. It means that you guys can speak intellectually on the same level. You're able to speak to one another and communicate with whatever level that is. We all have different levels, right? So whatever level you are, it's equal yoking. So whatever level you are, are you able to commune and connect with that person intellectually at the same place? So the soul is, so it's spirit, it's soul. Soul is mind, will, and emotion. So are you able, are you intellectually compatible, right? Is there compatibility there? Emotions, do you care about the same things? Do you love puppies and the guy can't stand dogs? (laughs) <laughs> you know what i'm saying i mean it's like i mean this this is this is true right jody loves dogs i mean i go to jody's house and you got like bow ties in the dog dog's hairs and everything craig we know gert craig's got to love dogs you oh you swear you never have pets she has a blind dog right She's talking about the compassion i walk over there and there's two they're all what they're shih tzus right 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 and so they have uh, little bow ties in their hair and everything and so anyway sorry another story squirrel do you care about the same things? 80% of all marriage failures, the divorce rate is related to this, are directly related to unresolved emotional issues. Un- unresolved emotional issues. A lot of you went through, went through divorces not because of financial issues, but because somebody somewhere in the marriage was emotionally dysfunctional. Can I get a witness? That's right. That's right. It may be you. It may be them. Emotional dysfunction within the relationship will cause it to fail. That's why mind will compatible, or intellectually compatible, will compatibility, and then emotional compatibility. Inability to navigate the emotional realm. Listen, guys, you marry a woman, it's going to get emotional. All right, man, when I say this, I need you to help me help you, right? If you are married to a woman, you will testify it's emotional. It is emotional. How do you feel? I don't feel anyway. You've got to feel something. Can I tell you how I feel? What? <laughs> but you learn. You get stronger at it. You get better at it. We have to have an ability to navigate the emotional realm. It's parental background. It's childhood. It's unresolved anger. It's bitterness. It's insecurity. Fear. Lies. It's mirrored. Mirrored trauma. You'd be shocked how much trauma is mirrored. Right? You say something to her... And she's mirroring her daddy back at you. She was abused and neglected as a little girl and she never, got her, she never got a chance to express that rage on her dad, but you represent that male figure to her. She says something to you and that rage is coming at you like a freight train. And you're like, where did this come from? True. True. Mirrored dysfunction, mirrored trauma. Yeah. I know a guy who got divorced, and um, she was abused at a, at a very early age from her, uh, her parent, and um, they had a child together, which was a girl, and as soon as this girl got to the age where this, this trauma happened in her life, she divorced him. She took out all of her violence and all of her rage, and I tried to explain it to him. I'm like, dude, she's mirroring. She's mirroring her childhood through her daughter at you. I know it's psycho, right? It's, it's, but this is, ha- this is what happens. This is where all this stuff comes from. It's the wounds of the soul. The soul is the emotions. The emotions are damaged. The, 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 the wounds within the emotions cannot be... Say with me. It's going to help you. The, the wounds of the soul cannot be fixed intellectually. There's not a book you can read. There's not a method you can approach. There's no amount of external... Forces that you can put around yourself that will heal emotional wounds and brokenness. None. You have to do inner healing. It is the only way. There is no other way. And the church is insanely dysfunctional at it. We don't have an answer. Elevate does. But but other churches don't have an answer. They don't. You know what they do? They give you a book. They give you a They give you a Bible. They give you a book. They give you a list of things to do. They give you a bunch of external behaviors when you go to the pastor. Well, next time you get angry, Kevin, I want you to take this fork and I want you to walk outside and I want you to pace back and forth and put your anger back on this fork. Well, it doesn't work, dude. How about I get rid of my anger entirely? And how about I don't longer have a trigger that provokes me? How about when my wife acts that way? I'm completely neutral on it anymore and I don't rage. Wouldn't that be a miracle? That's right. We mirror our dysfunctions. You can't heal this stuff externally. We can't. Just quoting scripture doesn't do it. Quoting scripture helps, but external measures do not. Cannot control external ish, internal issues. That's why we explode and we get unhinged. And you're almost looking at yourself like, "Who in the world are you?" You ever done that? All the honest people are nodding their head. The rest of us never. Never, I live an isolated existence. I control myself that 's the only way you can do it. You have to control yourself and isolate yourself, but if you 're exposed particularly in marriage you 're exposed to another person, you will be provoked and if you don't <laughs> if you don 't think the devil knows those triggers you 're crazy. He knows he 's going to put his finger right on it he 's going to be like, "Watch Kevin dance like a puppet boom <laughs> do, 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 do. watch sherry dance like a puppet." Do. And you won't have any clue. Why is this person reacting? I'm not meaning anything. Why is she reacting like this? Why is he reacting like this? I'm not meaning anything. Why are they reacting? And you will have no clue as to why they're acting that way. And then you'll do exactly what the devil wants you to do start pointing fingers. <laughs> True. So we have to, one of the things, okay, get back to dating. Unresolved anger. Does this dude, does this girl have any unresolved anger? Well, you're not going to see it right away. That's so why dating oftentimes takes a season. God, there was a, uh, a betrothal period of a year in the Old Testament. They were to be, be engaged, but they were to experience relationship with each other over the course of a year. And the reason wasn't to provoke sexuality. It was to develop emotional bondedness with the person before they got married. And it was also so that you could see that person in four seasons of life. When you're dating that person, you're only seeing cologne. Yeah. You're only seeing her at her best, right? That's it. You're seeing her with her nails done. You're not seeing her in the morning when her hair's all crazy, right? You're not seeing him walking around in his underwear burping and farting. Come on. No, I'm going to... No man burps when he's dating. But once he's married for a while, he'll be like, hold on, honey. (laughs) Do I have any wives in the room that can witness this experience for me and testify that what I speak is true? It's true. Well, I've dated and he's never burped once in front of me. Just if you marry him, you're going to see it. (laughs) You have to experience all seasons of life with this person in order to see them at their best and at their worst. You don't marry someone if there's known addictions. Well, the word addiction is a broad subject. That means all substances, foods, shopping, video games, any counteractivity, any counterproductive activity that consumes a large amount of time. So if he's in his Batman PJs up till two in the morning playing World of Warcraft, that's a problem. (laughs) And he's over the age of 16. I'm saying productivity i'm not saying i know i have guys that really play video games i got a guy here who plays um one of the shooter games he's like man i play a shooter game man you make me feel bad i'm like i don't want to make you feel bad what i'm talking about i'm talking about guys who have nothing but count that's that's all they do is there a woman in a room that has experienced a man like that that that's all they do right they almost don't want to work they don't want to do anything that's all they want to do Right. It can be the same thing. It can be shopping. It's a counterproductive activity. It's not something you do. Look, I play video games from time to time. So like all you video, all you gamers out there, don't go, man, we got to have, we need to team up and we're going to have a word with the pastor. And we're going to take him out back and what we're going to want to tell him about this. We want to school him about this. I understand. I get it. I get it. I understand it's there's there's an outlet for it. And it's an excuse. It's a hobby. I I, I understand all that. But it should not consume large amounts of your time and take you away from more productive matters. If it's a distraction for you or if it's something that you do in your spare time, that's not a problem. Are we clear on this? Okay. So I don't have to fight the video game war after service with people. Right. Okay. All right. And all the women are like, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him to put that game down. Tell him, tell (laughs) him. And all the guys are like. It's okay, man. I like to play. I'm like, I get it. I like to play. So anyway, Proverbs, don't be angry. Don't be associated with heavy drinkers of wine or be over those who are over consumed with me, which basically means those who are just really consumed with everything for those who drink heavily and those who are over consumptuous will come to poverty you don't want to be with someone who turns into a situation where it's over distracted. Like I used to be like hardcore on football. So let me throw myself under the bus. Right. I I didn't even hardly watch it. I think I watched the Super Bowl this year, you know, whatever. Some of you guys were like the NFL. Some of you don't care. I used to be really be into it when I first got married and it'd be like, there'd be three games on, on Sunday. And Sherry goes, would say to me, are you going to stop watching the game now? And I'd be like, it's only the second game, Sherry there's one more after this. <laughs> and then she goes, but isn't there a game tomorrow night on Monday night? And I'm like, yeah. but I'm watching that one too. That would be kind of how it was when we first got married. And I learned, wow. You know, I had another buddy. He used to like to go and play basketball. He was obsessive about playing basketball. He had this routine where he came. He, oh, we have communion. Yes. I got to close. Yes. Thank you. This is why I have all of you here. But I'm looking at, I'm looking at the time, but we have communion, but my buddy used to go off and play basketball and his wife would go, look, I don't want you playing basketball every week. He would come home, change his clothes, go and play basketball, come back home seven o'clock at night, take a shower, go to bed. And he's married. Any ladies here would have a problem with that? Anybody? Exactly. Right. See, you know, he didn't get it. He, he, He didn't understand it. And so he had to set that aside. And they had to come to some kind of a agreement that this, this, there's a window for that, but it's not every day. There's a window for that, but it's not all the time. You can do it, but just not be consumed with it. Unresolved bitterness, defrauding one another. We covered that. Are they greedy or are they generous? So when they take you out to coffee, do they go, oh, where's my wallet? Where's my, where's my wallet? <laughs> which means self-consumed, self-sufficient, or materialistic. Greedy people bring trouble on their families. You don't want somebody who's greedy, who's all about themselves. You wanna see some demonstration of honor towards the Lord. If they can't honor Jesus, they're not. Jesus is where your treasure is, there your heart is. You wanna know if the person's a real believer, do they give? Got real quiet. You wanna know if a person's a real believer because this is how Jesus measures it. You say you love me, where your treasure is, there your heart is, do you give? Because it's a demonstration of generosity. It's a demonstration of obedience. It's a demonstration of honor. Just saying. Honesty, emotional, and personal integrity. Okay, this is a big one. And then we're going to do the last one. Is, is honesty important, ladies? Is it? How important is it? Very. Would it be number three? It'd be number one, right? So what does is, what is honesty look like? Well honesty in the relationship, the first thing it would have to be would be emotional honesty are, are, are they capable is that guy capable of of being honest with himself with his feelings where he 's at is is he capable of that and look i, I didn 't know how to i didn't know how to emotion I was not the most emotionally developed person when I got married so everybody take a take a breather right so I was not massively emotionally developed but my wife happened to be a little a lot more emotionally matured than me and so through her emotional maturity and my willingness to become more emotionally developed, I became more emotionally developed. She helped me, right? But what I was is that I was honest. I did not know what I was feeling, how I was feeling. I did not know how to deal with my feelings, all of that stuff, but I was honest about that. I didn't pretend like I was and I wasn't. Emotional honesty is a big thing, right? And guys have to be willing to be emotionally honest. Ladies, you have to be willing to be emotionally honest. There has to be an emotional honesty. There has to be personal integrity. Ooh, here we go. Godly people who live honestly will be a blessing to their family. If he will not live honestly before you. Ready? Ready? Everybody say, hold the chair. Right. Can you see his phone? Can you see her phone? No, I'm serious. Are you allowed to look on her phone at any time? Is she allowed to look on your phone at any time? You'd be shocked at how big of a deal breaker that is with people. Oh, they let you do it, but then they get married. No, that's my phone. No, don't touch my phone. Does she have your password? I I don't even have a password. (laughs) If I had a password, the first thing my wife would ask me is, what do you have on that phone that you need a password for? That's the first thing she'd say. Does your, fa- does your Facebook profile, ladies and gentlemen, reflect the person that you claim to be? Do you claim to be one thing and your Facebook and social media profiles reflect an entirely different you? That's personal integrity. Hmm? Do you claim to be a believer and a follower of Jesus, but your social media reflects something entirely different? Do you claim to be a devout person, an honest person, or whatever person, you know, that you're like a one-woman man, you know, but yet your Facebook, there's like a lady a week on there, you know? Or like you claim to be a virtuous woman but you're like on the beach and you know (laughs) nothing wrong with being beautiful nothing wrong with any of that that's not the problem the problem is presenting yourself in the manner by which you you represent represent yourself honestly and if you don't then realign yourself to the person that you claim to be change what is in opposition to who you claim to be these are the things that we're supposed to look for when we're dating someone or when we're reflecting someone we're supposed to look at those character for those that it's just it's it's a list nobody's perfect okay say it with me nobody's perfect right none of us are it's just a guideline these are the, these are just a list of seven things that we're supposed to look for in the person that we we're, we're we're looking to marry and it's also a list of seven or a, a list of simple things that we're supposed to look for in ourselves Say this with me. The best looking people do not always have the most successful marriages. So this isn't about looks. If the best looking people had the most successful marriages, then Hollywood would be able to lecture us all on this. Those people are married five, six, seven times, man. And the ball keeps rolling. You know, they keep on doing that. So it's not about looks. It's not about feelings. It's not about sexiness. Say this with me. Looks. Feelings. Feelings and sexiness are second to character character has to precede that you understand that you say well they look good and they give me lots of attention and i wrote down puppies then get a puppy (laughs) if you want someone who's cute and will give you a lot of attention go buy a dog they're cute and they'll give you all the attention you want (laughs) prepare yourself pray the scriptures and look for the right qualities and you know the last thing what's it say Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. You understand that? I have a lot more to say, but my time is up. I have a lot more to say on this, but I will not. My time is up. So I pray that bless you. I pray that gives you some guidance. Prepare yourself. Pray the scriptures. Look for the right qualities in the other person. Develop them within yourself. And then get married. Jesus, say this with me. Jesus is not into dating. He's into marriage. He did not create me to be an eternal dater. He created me to marry. It's not about eternal dating people. It's not. Guys that have a fear of commitment, if you're a Christian, you need to get over it real quick. <laughs> it's usually the women that go, amen. I usually don't have a man shout me down on that one. So anyway, we're going to take communion. What communion is, is, um, is a representation of Jesus' offer to us. It's a representation that he belongs to us, and we belong to him. And we do it together as a family because we are brothers and sisters with one another, and we are brothers and sisters in him. So Jody's going to play some music. We're going to take the, uh, uh, while she plays, just make your way up and around to each side. Grab the elements and bring them back to the chair with you, and we'll take them together.